Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Picture this. You're on a John Deere compact tractor, enjoying the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Hey, everyone. Well, I'm taking a few days off for the Thanksgiving holiday. I pulled a great show from the archives for you. It's called How Many Credit Cards Should You Have for Good Credit? But it's almost like a brand new show because it includes a new interview with Julia Glum, a senior writer at Money.com, who recently wrote an interesting article about how many cards are enough. She even talks about a guy who's got over 1,200 credit cards. And you're going to hear our conversation at the end of the show with some great tips about how many cards you need and ways to use them wisely for improving your finances instead of hurting them. I hope you enjoy this episode plus the brand new interview. Hey, everyone. I'm Laura Adams, and you're listening to the Money Girl Podcast. If you're new here, Welcome. I'm really thrilled that you've downloaded the show, that you found us. If you've been listening to the show for decades, maybe you've even been with me since 2008 when I started hosting the show. I'm thrilled that you're here as well. Uh, You probably know I'm a personal finance author, spokesperson, consumer advocate, and I would love for you to subscribe if you're new to the show so you don't miss a weekly episode. We publish every Wednesday, and I cover a wide range of personal and small business topics, such as building credit, dealing with debt, investing, retirement, real estate, taxes, insurance, money management strategies, and lots more. So if you've stumbled on this show because you're looking for more knowledge or resources, even motivation to manage money better, You are definitely in the right place. And you'll find the notes for this and every show with any links to resources that I mentioned and the full information. It's all in the Money Girl section over at quickanddirtytips.com. Today's episode is 660 called How Many Credit Cards Should You Have for Good Credit? If you've been a short or a long-time Money Girl podcast listener, I definitely don't have to tell you about the fantastic benefits of having excellent credit. You know that the higher your credit scores, the more money that you can save on various products and services, such as credit cards, lines of credit, car loans, mortgages, and even on insurance in most states. But even if you never borrow money, your credit is so important because it affects other areas of your financial life. For example, having poor credit could cause you to get turned down by a prospective employer or by a landlord, and it could also increase the security deposits that you must pay on utilities, such as power, cable, and mobile devices. Credit cards are one of the best financial tools available for building or even maintaining excellent credit scores. But you might be wondering, exactly how many should I have? Do I need one? Do I need a bunch? What's the right number? So in this podcast, I'm going to help you understand how cards boost your credit and the optimal number 
for improving your finances. It's a little different for everybody. Uh, And I think a common misconception about credit in general is that if you have no debt, you must have good credit. Well, that's not true. That is utterly false because having no credit is the same as having bad credit. To have good credit, you've got to have credit accounts and you have to use them responsibly. So before we talk about how many cards you should have, we first need to review some essential tips and strategies for using them the right way. That information will help you understand the optimal number for your situation. So we're gonna cover five tips for using credit cards to build credit, and then we'll kind of circle back to this idea about What's the optimal number? So the first tip is you have to make payments on time, even if it's just the minimum payment. Making timely payments on credit cards or any of your credit accounts is the most critical factor for your credit scores. Your payment history carries the most weight because, you know, it's obviously an excellent indicator of your financial responsibility and ability to pay what you owe. Having a credit card allows you to demonstrate your credit worthiness by merely making payments on time, even if you can only pay the minimum monthly amount. If the card company receives your payment by the statement due date, that builds a history of positive information on your credit reports. Now, I recommend paying more than your card's minimum. Ideally, you should pay off your entire balance every month so you don't accrue interest charges. When you do that, when you pay off the card, you're using the card for free. And so it doesn't even matter what the interest rate on the card is because you're never paying it if you pay off your balance in full each month. Now, if you tend to carry a balance from month to month, it's really wise to use a low-interest credit card to reduce that financing charge. Tip number two, don't rely on being an authorized user. Many people start using a credit card by becoming an authorized user on someone else's account, such as a parent's credit card. That allows you to use a card without being legally responsible for the debt. Some card companies report a card owner's transactions to an authorized user's credit report. So that could be an excellent first step for establishing credit if the owner of the card, the primary card owner, makes his or her payments on time. Even so, some credit scoring models ignore data that does not belong to a primary card owner. Therefore, don't assume that being an authorized user is a rock-solid approach to building credit. I recommend that you get your own credit cards as soon as you earn income and can get approved. Tip number three, never max out cards. A critical factor that affects your credit scores is how much debt you owe on revolving accounts, and revolving accounts are credit cards and lines of credit that always stay open, the amount you owe on those accounts compared to your total available credit limits. This is known as your credit utilization ratio, and it gets calculated per account and on all of your accounts, on an aggregate of like your portfolio of credit accounts. Having a low utilization ratio shows that you use credit responsibly by not maxing out your accounts. A high ratio indicates that you use a lot of credit, 
And in general, creditors don't like to see that because that could be a red flag that you're in danger of missing a payment soon or maybe that you're going through some financial hardship. So a good rule of thumb is to improve your credit scores by keeping your utilization ratio below 20%. Now, that's not a hard and fast rule. It's just kind of a, a guideline. You know, the lower the better, but still you do have to have some amount of utilization as I mentioned, in order for the card to be active and to have positive information. Let me give you an example uh, to just demonstrate the credit utilization ratio. Let's say you've got a $1,000 card balance and you have a $5,000 credit limit on a card. In that situation, you've got a 20% credit utilization ratio. So the formula is a $1,000 balance divided by a $5,000 credit limit. That's 0.2 or 20%. As I mentioned, that's about as high as I would recommend. Now, if you go over that just a little bit from time to time, that's no big deal. But again, in general, you want to maintain 20% or less. There's a common misconception that it is okay to max out a credit card if you pay it off in full each month. Now, while paying off your card in full is very smart, and as I mentioned, that's the way to avoid interest charges, that doesn't guarantee that you're going to have a low utilization ratio. Why? Well, the date that your credit card account balance gets reported to the nationwide credit agencies typically is not the same as your statement due date. So if your outstanding balance happens to be high on the date that it gets reported to the credit bureau, you're going to have a high utilization ratio that will drag down your credit scores. So again, even if you're paying off that balance in full, when you go over that 20% ratio, you're still in danger of looking like you've got too much of a ratio. So be mindful never to exceed that recommended 20% threshold, even if you plan on paying off the card immediately. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Money Girl is sponsored by Claritin. If you're like me and you suffer from allergies, you know this time of year can be pretty rough. There's a lot of sneezing, itchy eyes, congestion, and they can really hold you back from living the life you want to live. Luckily, for those with allergies, you can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This is a product designed for serious allergy sufferers. It's got two ingredients in one pill that relieve allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combo of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant relieves all the symptoms that you suffer. And what I love about Claritin D is that it starts working in as little as 30 minutes. Plus, it's non-drowsy, so you can still make the most of your day. I can take Claritin D and then get on the mic and record a podcast without being too congested. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 
Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Tip number four, use multiple cards. If you need more available credit to cut your utilization ratio, there's some easy solutions. One is to apply for an additional credit card. So you spread out charges on multiple cards instead of consistently maxing out one card. That reduces your credit utilization and boosts your credit. For example, let's say you've got two credit cards and each have a $500 balance and each have a $5,000 credit limit. You now have a 10% credit utilization ratio. The formula is a $1,000 balance. That's two cards, each with $500. So a $1,000 balance divided by a $10,000 credit limit because each card gives you $5,000. So $1,000 divided by 10,000 is 0.1 or 10%. That's half the ratio of my previous example with one card. So again, getting two cards, spreading out those balances can cut your utilization ratio in half, and that will definitely improve your credit scores. Another strategy to cut your utilization ratio is to request credit limit increases on one or more of your cards. Having the same amount of debt compared to more available credit instantly reduces your utilization and improves your credit. Tip number five, keep credit cards active. Credit card companies are in business to make a profit, right? So if you don't use a card for an extended period, they can actually close your account or even cut your credit limit. You may not mind having a card canceled if you haven't been using it. But as I just mentioned, your available credit plays a very big role in your utilization ratio. If you have a cut in your credit limit, that actually means bad things are coming for your credit scores. Lower credit limits mean that you're going to look riskier and therefore your scores are going to go down. So no matter if you or a card company cancels one of your revolving credit accounts, it causes your total amount of available credit to shrink, which instantly spikes your utilization ratio. And as we've said, when your utilization goes up, your credit scores can plummet. Anytime your credit card balance has become a higher percentage of your total credit limits, you appear riskier to creditors, even if you aren't. So keep your cards open and active, especially if you're considering a big purchase, such as buying a home or a car within the next six months. In general, I recommend that you charge something small and pay it off in full several times a year, maybe like once a quarter, in order to keep a card active and keep your available credit limit in place. If you have a card that you don't like, maybe because it charges an annual fee or it's got a high APR, don't be afraid to cancel it. You just need to replace it with another card, ideally before you cancel the first one. That allows you to swap out one credit limit for another and avoid a significant increase in your credit utilization ratio. 
So I hope going through these tips helps you understand why maybe having one credit card isn't enough for you. Now, I will say, if you've got a bunch of cards and you're just determined to get rid of them, you know, kind of pare down what's in your wallet, I get it. A tip to do that wisely would be to space out your cancellations over time. So maybe just cancel one card every six months or even one a year in order to minimize that negative effect to your credit scores. Now that you understand how credit cards help you build credit, let's consider how many you really need. The optimal number for you depends on various factors, such as how much you charge each month, whether you use rewards, and how responsible you are with credit. According to Experian, which is one of the nationwide credit bureaus, 61% of Americans have at least one credit card, and the average person owns four. Having more open revolving credit accounts makes you more likely to have higher credit scores if you manage those accounts responsibly. As I mentioned, having more available credit compared to your balances on revolving accounts is a crucial factor in your credit scores. So if you continually bump up against that 20% utilization ratio that I've mentioned many times, you likely need an additional card. Also, consider how different credit cards can help you achieve financial goals, such as saving money on everyday purchases that you're already making. Many retailers, big box stores, and brands have cards that reward your loyalty. They'll give you discounts, promotions, and all kinds of additional services if you use one of their credit cards. I use multiple credit cards. I don't even know how many I have right now. I think it's about 10. And it's based on the benefits and rewards that I receive from them. For instance, I only use my Amazon credit card to get 5% cash back on my Amazon purchases. I have a card with no foreign transaction fees that I use when traveling overseas. So obviously, I haven't haven't used that one in a while, but I'm going to hang on to it and make sure that it's active. And I've got a low-interest card, probably a couple low-interest cards that I use only if I plan to carry a balance on a large purchase for a short period of time. So think about how different cards can help you achieve different spending goals, the rewards that they have that you're using, and be strategic about having different cards for different purposes. There's no limit to the number of cards you can or should have. Theoretically, you could have 50 credit cards and have great credit if you manage all of them responsibly. But my recommendation would be to have a minimum of two cards so you have a backup if something goes wrong with one of them and have as many cards as you believe will benefit your financial life and are comfortable managing successfully. And now here's my interview with Julia Glum and a big thanks to her for coming on the show. My name is Julia Glum and I'm a senior writer at Money. I also write the newsletter Dollar Scholar, which is a personal finance newsletter that kind of takes uh, young adults through money basics as we're all figuring out our finances for the first time. I noticed that you published an article earlier this month called How Many Credit Cards is Too Many Credit Cards? I would love to know why you were interested in writing that article and maybe some of the interesting things you found as you were researching this. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of have an obsessive personality to begin with. Uh, when I find something I like, I really like it. And then I kind of go overboard. I, For example, I decided when I was in high school that I kind of liked this band, the Jonas Brothers. 
And now 15 years later, I've seen them over 30 times. So I uh, just have that sort of personality. And I was looking for story ideas to cover for my newsletter, Dollar Scholar. And I was kind of thinking about whether I had the right amount of cards in my wallet. Um, you know, credit cards are something that I haven't gone overboard with in the past. And I thought, well, you know, maybe this is something I should do. Um, and so I started looking into it. You know, I only have two credit cards myself. I have one that is through my bank, Bank of America, that I got as a teenager. And then I have one that I got last year when I started at Money and realized that I was maybe kind of behind the curve. And so I started looking into whether I should kind of add to my arsenal, uh, as it were. And I found out a ton of interesting stuff. Uh, The first thing I found out is that there is slash was a guy uh, who had 1,497 valid credit cards at one point in 2005, which absolutely blows my mind. Um, That is too many for sure. I I feel secure in saying that, Laura. (laughs) So I read an article about it uh, in ABC News. It says that he made a bet with a friend in the 60s about who could have the most credit cards by the end of the year, and the winner would get a free dinner. So that first year, he got about 140 cards, and then he just kept going. Wow, that is amazing. I wonder if he was really using them or, you know, trying to to get points or rewards on some of them. I know there are a lot of travel hackers out there that will really get pretty serious with their strategy, you know, on getting reward points. Uh, but maybe not. Maybe it sounds like it was just the the bet that he was trying to win. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are obviously a lot of reasons that you should use your credit cards, especially over your debit card, uh, as I'm sure you know. Um, you know, the debit card, your your liability for fraud is just not as good because it's governed by a different act, whereas with credit cards, it falls under the Fair Credit Billing Act, which really caps your liability. I know that, you know, with credit cards, a lot of times there's like built-in purchase protection. Merchants do not want you to initiate a chargeback. So a lot of times you have a lot of wiggle room with customer service. And then, of course, there is, um, you know, the perk, if you can call it that, of if your identity gets stolen, if there's unauthorized use of your card with your debit card, that money is gone. And as your bank tries to get it back, you don't have it available to you. With a credit card, that's not the case. All of those were kind of motivations for me to look into how many credit cards I personally should have a.k.a. do I need more than two in order to be uh, thriving financially? Yeah, that's great. I actually have, I don't even know how many, Julia, I think over 10 right now. And just a couple of them, you know, I use on a regular basis. But I have several that maybe I opened in the past because I was a loyal, you know, Banana Republic shopper or, you know, I was really into a particular retail card at one time. And, you know, maybe I'm not using it so much anymore, but I've just kept it uh, in order to maintain my available credit limits and keep those limits as high as possible. Um, so yeah, I am somebody that would say I've I've got probably a lot of credit cards compared to a lot of people. But then when I heard about this guy with the 1200 cards, it doesn't make me feel so bad. Uh, yeah, I that's what <laughs> I absolutely agree. I, I don't I'm not, not sure he's still alive, actually. But uh, maybe check that before you put it on your podcast. Um, but yeah, so maybe not 1500 cards but maybe not two. So we want somewhere in the middle is what I found out from my sources. And and you absolutely hit the nail on the head, right? It comes down to a lot of times your credit utilization ratio, uh, which is the amount of credit that you're using at any given time 
in relation to how much available credit you have. And that's calculated across cards. So if you take the credit limit on every one of your cards and you add it up and then you look at your balance across all your cards and you add it up, ideally you don't want it over 30%. Some people say you don't want it over 10%. Um, And so one way that you would kind of game that ratio is by adding to your credit limit um, making, you know, that denominator a little bit bigger. Um, and you would do that by opening more cards. That is not a foolproof method. As you know, uh, when you open a new card or you apply for a new credit card, a lot of times it results in a hard inquiry on your credit report, which can also bring down your credit score. So you got to kind of keep yourself in check and find a sweet spot there. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that, you know, the key is to have enough cards where you're able to to really leverage your spending. You know, if you've got, uh, let's say, a lot of grocery purchases or gas purchases, Mm -hmm. having cards that allow you to make the most of those types of purchases is really smart. And as you mentioned, if you're maxing that card out, you know, even if you're paying off your balance in full every month, it still can hurt your credit because you're getting above that, you know, that utilization ratio that most credit scoring models want to see, which is fairly low. Um, It is, I think, surprising to a lot of people to hear that it's actually better to spread out those balances on multiple credit cards than to just consistently max out one credit card or even two credit cards. So that's something that I think, you know, really confuses a lot of people. Um, And it certainly, you know, I'm I'm not encouraging folks to, to go out and open up a bunch of cards and rack up balances that they can't pay off. But if you're using cards responsibly, I think no matter how many you have, as long as you're using them responsibly, it's going to to work out well for your credit. Um, So just something to keep in mind. If you're paying off those balances in full every month, you know, there's really not a downside, right? You know, there's not. Um, You know, it can be hard, I think, just from a logistical standpoint to keep track of all your cards. Uh, if you've got, you know, 1,500 or, you know, 15. So what we don't want to see, right, is you losing track of those bills and then you're not paying on time. And then it's not even about your credit utilization ratio at that point. It's your payment history. Your on-time payments are, you know, you're failing at that and that's going to hit your credit score. But you're absolutely right about, um, you know, kind of leveraging your cards to get the best uh, rewards out of them. You know, you mentioned that you kind of like to spread your purchases around. Maybe you, some people have a card that's really good for groceries. Some people have a card that's really good for gas in terms of the rewards that you get. I'm actually in a couple of Facebook groups about credit card hacking, which is where people try to maximize those points. And they go so far as to label each of their cards, like with an actual label maker, so that when they open their wallet at Target, they make sure they're pulling out the card that is literally labeled, you know, for kitchen supplies. That's the way that they're going to maximize uh, the points that they get on that purchase. They don't end up accidentally using the Uber card. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, some people kind of take it to uh, the nth degree and and really want to make credit cards part of their their money strategy. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think if you can do that, if you've got the time and the inclination to manage cards that way, fantastic. You know, and if you don't, that's okay too. I think, you know, the key is just having enough cards so that you can make purchases online. You've got a backup card. You know, maybe if you travel, you want a card with no foreign transaction fees. Um, You know, just thinking about all the different scenarios where you use cards and just making sure you've always got a backup because you might go someplace and 
all of a sudden you find out, oh, they don't take American Express or, you know, they don't take Discover or something that you had thought that they would take. Um, You want to be able to have a backup card. And of course, we're all doing more online shopping. So having cards, I mean, if you're shopping online, as you mentioned, don't do it with a debit card. The credit card is the way to go. You're getting protections, um, not only for fraud, but also for things like extended warranties, you know, and and if it's travel related, uh, maybe some kind of travel uh, insurance as well. If you're in the habit of using a debit card online, that is just a huge uh, tip to take away from this show is that you want to stop using debit cards online. And I would say even really, even in person, if you're shopping locally, um, if somebody gets that card, they really have the power to drain your your bank account, you know, if you don't catch it quickly. Um, so you do have unlimited liability with debit cards, uh, which is another thing I think people don't realize. They think, oh, well, it's my bank, you know, it's a bank card. They're going to protect me. You know, maybe your bank will give you some protection. Um, but, you know, just think about the worst case scenario. Uh, somebody gets that debit card number spend your entire checking account balance. You don't catch it, you know, maybe for a while. And by the time you report it, the longer it takes to report it, the less protection that you have, basically. So, um, you know, that's another good kind of reminder that we all need to be watching our transactions, you know, uh, looking at what what's coming through that checking account. And if you see anything that you don't recognize, uh, you've got to take action on that immediately. Oh, for sure. Um, and I mean, you you mentioned the the fact that it, you know the bank will probably get on top of your lost funds um, if if it happens with your debit card, if fraud occurs with your debit card, your bank will probably uh, intervene. But in the meantime, you just don't have that cash available. That cash is lost. It's it's your it's your cash. It's not you know the credit card issuer's cash. And as I understand it, you know when you make a purchase with the credit card, or if somebody unauthorized makes a purchase with a credit card, you're kind of protected in two ways, right? So there's the legal ramifications that does cap your liability. But then a lot of the major card issuers also on top of those legal uh, protections have zero liability policies. So you're really just sitting in a very good spot if you are shopping with a credit card. So it, it makes me nervous sometimes to put things on my credit card. Just, you know, I'm a I'm a child of the recession. I don't love the idea uh, of spending money that I'm not positive I have, but it really is the smartest way to go about things, especially from a fraud perspective. Julia, thank you so much. Uh, These are great tips and reminders, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show to chat about cards. Yeah, thank you so much, Laura. Where can folks find you? You can find me at money.com, specifically if you want to subscribe to Dollar Scholar, my weekly newsletter that is free and full of money tips and also dog photos, you can go to money.com slash subscribe. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week. Until then, here's to living a richer life. Money Girl is a quick and dirty tips podcast. It's audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg with editing by Adam Cecil. Our operations and editorial manager is Michelle Margulis. Our assistant manager is Emily Miller. And our marketing and publicity assistant is Davina Tomlin. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. 
or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.